everyone, and welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We are having a, a second special broadcast this week, and as you can see, I have a lot of special guests with me today, so I'm super excited. July is our Sped Homeschool Awareness Month, where we just share community stories with you um, so that you know you're not alone. Um, I think oftentimes we feel like I am the only one doing this, the only one struggling with this, and um, I, we want you to know that you're not. Um, there are so many other people out there who have walked this path before you, are walking it with you, and there will be many to follow. And so we share our stories as an encouragement um, with one another um, to, to just keep fighting the good fight and keep moving forward in this calling that we have to home educate our children who have learning struggles. And so we do this broadcast, um, and it's sponsored by Sped Homeschool, and I am the founder and CEO of, of Sped Homeschool. And our main goal is to empower families to home educate um, struggling learners. So I encourage you to check out our website at spedhomeschool.com for more encouragement, um, as well as um, po podcasts that we have of past episodes. This show has been going on for over four years. So you can find that um that podcast and all of those shows out on the internets and in various places, but also our YouTube channel has all that content as well. So you can just look for Sped Homeschool on YouTube. So um, we are going to talk to this panel of parents who have been in the trenches and um, and know what it's like to um, home educate um, struggling learners and have worked also with kids who struggle. And so um, we were excited to be able to to share um, their experience with you and want you also to know that you can be part of our conversation. So if you're watching on YouTube, just make comments down in the feed. We'll see those and we'd like to include those in our conversation. If you're watching on Facebook, our Facebook page, you can do the same thing. So um, so just feel free to join in um, and and be part of this ongoing conversation this hour. So, um, so we're going to just talk about finding your inner teacher. I think all of us struggle with that. Um, who am I as a teacher? I know when I first started homeschooling, I didn't want to be a teacher. <laughs> I was the furthest thing from it. And, um, and I wasn't, I mean, I heard the word phonics and I had never even heard that word before. So <laughs> that's how bad off I was. Um, so just wherever you're at, we kind of try to figure out what is this teaching thing and how do I do this and how do I teach my child? And we just seem like we're told by the experts we can't. Um, so we want to encourage you this hour. And I, um, oh, Kara Sue, thank you for joining us on YouTube. We are glad that you are here with us. Thanks for um, saying hi. Um, and and I am super excited for you to also meet my guest today. Um, and so all, all of our um, guests today are from Iconic Learning, and um, I would just love for all of you to just start out um, and sharing your homeschooling journey and what have been some of the highlights that your family has enjoyed while homeschooling, just so our community can get to know you a little bit better. Who wants to start? <laughs> well, maybe I should comment just a little bit. Uh, I'm... Uh not actually a homeschooler. I'm a person that has designed uh, programs for homeschools and other schools. And so that's kind of my role here, but uh, I'll uh, just leave it at that for me. I'm okay. Dr. Stephen Ingersoll. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And Lori? 
Um, so I did actually homeschool for a few years. Um, I am, I think, different than a lot of parents in terms of homeschooling. When I started, it wasn't because my kid wasn't getting what he needed at school or they weren't getting what they needed. They were actually at a charter school in West Palm Beach, and it was an amazing school with amazing mm. And they were so supportive, even though we were struggling to figure out what was going on with my son. Um, but they were so supportive. And so what happened for us is that um, we have two sets of kids. So they're older ones, and then mm. they're like 15 years difference in the second set of kids yeah. that we have. And so they were all gone. And my husband, we owned a company, and my husband was able to get to all the horseback riding lessons and all the ballet and all the baseball and everything. But the second set, we lived in West Palm Beach and our company was in Fort Lauderdale. And so oh, wow. he was missing everything. And I was going on vacations without him and taking the kids and just, you know, everything. He was in everything. Mm-hmm. And so um, he had been wanting to sell the company. And finally, I just said, if you're not going to be part of our lives, then you need to sell the company and we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. So then he decided that we needed to with the sale of the company, get an RV and just travel for a little while. Wow. And I'm, you know, and I'm thinking oh, a couple of months, we're going to figure out where we want to land. Nope. <clears throat> we were in that thing for three years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, and, and somebody were out to dinner and somebody said, so how long are you going to be doing this? And, you know, a couple of years. And I about fell off my chair and said, um, the next morning we have to talk because I wasn't planning on unschooling my kids for two years. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, like I didn't want to be a teacher. That wasn't what I went to school for. So um, <laughs> we did, we, we had to figure it out. And the school that they were at was um, very, they were just wonderful. And this is like 20 years ago that we did this and, and mm-hmm. homeschool was not that prevalent at that time. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We had to, we had to figure that out as well. But while we were doing it, we traveled all over North America and um, a little bit in Mexico and in a lot of Canada Wow. And so, you know, we had a lot of highlights. Our kids got to eat indigenous food and learn cultures, you know, right mm-hmm. there. Um, and they got to see 50 states and, you know, spend the summers in Alaska and their PE for seven weeks within Breckenridge. And so we were very, very fortunate um, that we were able to do that with our homeschooling journey. Yes. Yeah. That It's a tight space, but it gives you a lot of freedom. <laughs> On the outside of your space. <laughs> I know we've homeschooled in our RV twice over our 19 years of homeschooling. And um, it it was an adventure. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Brought everybody closer together. Um, so, so, yeah, that's that's awesome. And, yeah, it is. You know, we always we always talk about people being forced into homeschooling through, you know, just educational um, situations with their kids, but there are so many other situations that where homeschooling plays a a part where it's more advantageous to do that. Just so we have that freedom as a family or within our career or family life. And so, so that's a good thing to point out, Lori, that um, we choose homeschooling for a lot of different reasons. And, um, and it can be that, we, we have a good setup, but we, we just need something different for a while. Well, yeah, and it certainly did bring our family together. You don't mm-hmm. live in a 400 square foot space with a dog and a bunny and a cat. And, <laughs> yeah, and I'll figure that out. You know, right, you're, exactly. You're in personal space really quickly. <laughs> yes, yes. We, we found that all that training really helped when COVID hit. Um, our family's like, yeah, we're used to spending time with each other. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, thank you. So, Dr. Alicia and Julie, do you want to do some some quick intros too? Sure. Um, I'm Julie, and I my claim to fame isn't so much. I don't get the 50 states. I haven't been to all 50, but I have been to the inland 48. So wow. I'm, I'm the stuff with you, Lori. I still got Alaska and Hawaii. So, but yeah, the, the adventure <laughs> part is the part that matters the most. Uh, I am the owner of the Iconics Learning Clinic up here in Oakdale, Minnesota. And my connection to the homeschool world, I'm, I love the idea of that whole Iconics world is meeting a kid at the level they're at. <laughs> And we talk so much about what they're doing in their minds, mm-hmm. um, how they're doing it. And um, I think that is the power that a homeschool environment can just be supportive of. Mm-hmm. In, this, in a traditional school, your age dictates what, what you're supposed to learn or where you're supposed to be. But homeschool, you get to meet that kid, find out what their passions are, what their, what their talents, God-given talents are already. Mm-hmm. It is... I am so in favor of the homeschool world. I just, I love everything that you're doing and I'm excited to be a part of it. Thanks. Yes. Well, I'm glad that you're here. Yeah. <laughs> Super excited. So as you're seeing that this is a community right here of, of homeschool support. And, um, and I just love that I, I get to be part of the, this team's conversation today and you get to join me with that. Um, but um, yeah. So Dr. Alicia, you want to do a quick intro too? Sure. So I'm the owner of the Iconics Learning Clinic in Greer, South Carolina. Um, so that's where I'm located. And, you know, uh, my, I'm educated in chiropractic. That's what my doctorate Mm -hmm. is in. But I've been exposed to all these alternative educational methods from Mm -hmm. a childhood because Dr. Steve is my dad, actually. So um, (laughs) it's kind of just been talked about for my whole life. And Mm. it's just how I look at education, you know, like Julie said, um, you know, all kids develop at different rates. And so that requires us to take that into consideration when we create teaching methods and you know Mm. that's what's unique about homeschools you can create custom teaching methods for each kid so yes very very true and and that I think is the first step of finding your inner teacher is saying I don't have to do it like everybody else it doesn't have to look like my neighbor it doesn't have to look like my friend my child needs what my child needs and Plus, I'm unique, too, and I have to teach the way my bent is as well as my child's bent. But coming to that realization is the first step. So thank you, Dr. Alicia, for pointing that out, because that is very, very important. <laughs> so we have, If I may comment. Oh, yeah, uh, sure. Uh, indeed. Uh, what we've done as a society is try to wedge children into an existing system. Yes. And we should be doing the opposite. We should be designing our educational system around the child because they come in an infinite variety. Of <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> in an, in a developmental timetables and attributes, and so we really ought to be uh, designing individual educational programs. And, and of course, that's exactly what homeschoolers do. Mm-hmm. And in our educational model, that's precisely what we try to do. We first. Mm-hmm. Uh, we say we watch and wonder. We watch kids mm, do what they do. That's good, yes. And then we wonder why they're doing that. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah. If we can't figure out the underlying thinking, 
that that they're engaged in. Let me, let me give you an example. Uh, if I were to say, uh, uh, Peggy, I'll use you for an example if you don't okay. mind. Okay, uh, I don't mind. And tell me, tell me, what's seven plus six? Uh, fifth, well, wait. <laughs> I have really slow processing speed, so it's uh, thirteen. <laughs> and and now I'm real interested in how you know the answer. What did you do in your mind to arrive at the correct answer? What was I, your method? I had to f- to finish the ten of the seven, so I took half a six, added the three, and then I had the other three for the. To add to the ten, I see. So that was the because I think in tens. So that was the method of of thinking that you used. Now this is a Mm -hmm. real important diagnostic. Uh, So so if I asked you what's seven plus seven, what would you say? Fourteen. How did you? And that was a memorized fact. Ah, so yes. In other words, you have no awareness of seven plus seven, but you have full awareness of seven plus six, Mm -hmm. and. And, of course, the 7 plus 7 was obviously easier and quicker. Right. And the complexity of 7 plus 6 equals 13 and 7 plus 6, uh, 7, plus 7 equals 14 are precisely the same. Mm-hmm. The only difference is what you did to arrive at the answer. So, mm-hmm. in other words, wouldn't you be better off mm-hmm. if all of the single-digit math facts were known in the same way that you knew 7 plus 7? It yeah, wouldn't if I took the time to do that. <laughs> it wouldn't impinge. Well, more importantly, when you first learned it, you learned it in this way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's real important how kids first learn things because they mm. keep doing it. It's like my, me and my golf swing. <laughs> you know, I first learned my golf swing uh, poorly and <laughs> I'm still doing it. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Yep. It, it's real important that we take a look carefully at each child and understand we like i said we watch and wonder we want to understand the thinking that they're involved in do essentially a little cognitive diagnosis like we just did with you mm-hmm. so i now know that if i could figure out how to get you to do seven plus six in the same way that you do seven plus seven i'd be helping you mm-hmm. so that's yeah. the kind of yeah. thing that we do at iconics is we become uh diagnosticians of thinking let's say that that's and, that's uh, good. Yep. Yeah. And and that really leads us into our next question, because I was going to ask, you know, just what kind of training as um, parents did you seek out in order to really feel like you were equipped? And um, and sometimes it's that watching and wondering um, that has to be part of that that whole process of, well, what do I need to learn in order, because sometimes just getting the right training isn't the answer. It's knowing what the training is that you need. Um, so I love that that segue into that. Yeah, you know, well, that's uh, whenever we work with a child uh, or a family, we say at least half our job is teaching mom. Because mm. when mom knows what the child needs, watch out. Uh, that child's going to get it. Exactly. That that child will get what they need. Lori can speak directly to that. Yeah, Yeah, I'd love to hear from you, Lori, on on just how that process was for you. (laughs) Well, it would have been easier after I I was done. Um, (laughs) We all say that. (laughs) 
the, the interesting thing actually is that after I homeschooled, um, I ended up opening up uh, a special needs school. So we had a private special needs school uh, mm. for five years. And that, that experience and equipping myself for the homeschooling actually really came in um, very, very handy when I was trying to do the school. And that's because wow. of Iconic. Mm-hmm. But when we first started, we had no idea. I think I might've mentioned that. And so I went to the school my, kid, my kids were at uh-huh. Um, and ask them a bunch of questions, and they're like, "Well, here's your curriculum." You know, they hand me a bunch, of and questions. that's what they normally do. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and at that time, there's no on, there was no online anything, and you can't do online when you're in an RV and you have no, no. internet anyway. Um, and so it really was us just sitting down and trying to say, "Okay, what are we going to do?" And the first thing we did was decide it was we were going to run it like a business because mm. your child's education is way too important to not give it a lot of thought and commitment. Mm-hmm. And so that was the first thing. So we set up a schedule. So every morning the kids got up at a certain time, they ate breakfast, they did dishes, they had to make their bed, and they were at the table ready to learn by 8.30. And we had a schedule for our classes, and they had to be there. And we had schedules for, we were very fortunate, because whatever we had, you know, when we were learning about the revolutionary period, we were in Boston and Philadelphia and New York. Right, and, and yes. Everything that they were learning in these books, we were dragging them out and making them go see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember clearly my daughter, after about the fifth um, field trip that <laughs> week, <laughs> she was like, please don't make me go on any more field trips. I don't want, I just want to stay home. Can I just do homework at home? And so, you know, it, it, it sometimes it seems like, oh, well, that, that was really great. But my kids still were like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's still a learning experience no matter how fun it was. Right. Um, but, but for the stuff that we didn't know, um, and, and Steve is going to cringe at this, but he already knows, we just, we took those books from the front to the back because we didn't want to miss anything. And everything in that book, our kids learned. <laughs> every concept, everything, we, and, and then we saw things. So, you know, in our, mm-hmm. in our geography book, we saw um, the world's largest ball of twine in Cocker mm. City, Kansas. I guarantee you we had to stop in Cocker City, Kansas to see <laughs> this big ball of twine and the wow. town that has all these twine things all over it. And we've got a picture of us hugging the big ball of twine. And so, <laughs> um, you know, we just, everything we did, we just tried to do hands-on because mm-hmm. we felt better way to learn. And we were just fortunate in that, uh, you know, now, right. um, homeschooling and online support and parent groups on Facebook, you know, there, there's so much more support mm-hmm. now than there ever was in 20 years. But if we yeah. did it, there's anybody out there can do it. Exactly. Yes. Yep. You know, while you may have made Dr. Steve cringe a little bit with going front to back to a textbook, I think he'd be very supportive of how sticky that you made the content where you made it important to them or you made it experiential for oh, them. that's a good the point. Thing that they can't do anything with, like these symbols on a page that, you know, they, that, that means nothing to them until you made it make sense to them or made it matter to them. So in mm-hmm. our line of work or our, in, in Iconics, we try to make things sticky and that might be a uh, mm. good transition for Dr. Steve because I think he has ready some bill of rights or something. We do the sticky stuff because anytime that we file all the th- our experiences and the our data, we file that in mm-hmm. our head. And how right. we file it is like the six plus seven or the seven plus seven. Mm-hmm. We filed it with a 10 plus three plus, you know, whatever you did. So right. 
you but you filed seven and seven in a in a quicker way. So mm-hmm. we like to mm-hmm. file things and make things stickier. So if you need to retrieve it, mm-hmm. that seven plus seven is, is the same as six plus seven because the, the fast filed stuff such a good is way. the visual stuff. And uh, right, so, you know, yeah, we all re- we all remember faces better than names because faces are pictures and mm. names are symbols. So if we want to, and that's true for everyone except the congenitally blind, but mm-hmm. that's, that's a whole different story. But uh, if if we can convert salient data of a, a, a information from a lesson mm-hmm. into a pictorial array, it's much easier to, to commit to instantaneous or, let's say, photographic uh, memory. We mm-hmm. sometimes call mm-hmm. it eidetic memory. It's very powerful. It's what we do naturally. Like if I ask you, you know, where did you have lunch yesterday? You would picture where you were or do you Mm. own a bicycle? You picture your bicycle. So it's kind of like the operating system of human consciousness is this imagery business. Mm -hmm. So if we match information into that form and Peggy, I think you have an example there. If you can show that on the screen. Mm -hmm. Here's the Bill of Rights. Uh, and so you see at the 12 o'clock position, the freedom of press, religion, uh, and uh, assembly. Uh, the, uh, the next is the uh, right to bear arms. <laughs> so if you can put a little humor into the image. And right. then we, we also gesture. So as Julie just did, if, if so in a, a little game of uh, charades, it really embeds it. So if I do this, the kids yell out. Bill, uh, right to bear arms, mm. or if I do this, this freedom of speech. Right. Uh, the Third Amendment is the prohibition of quartering the military in your domicile. So we have a soldier sleeping between ma and pa kettle there, hmm. and uh, uh, the the search and seizure prohibition of search and seizure. You must have a war ant in order to uh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, equal justice uh, under the law is the fifth amendment and uh, uh, yeah so equality is the sign language for that and uh, prohibition of double jeopardy so you see the double jeopardy there mm-hmm. sixth amendment is speedy trial seventh amendment is the right uh, to redress your grievance for any matter in civil court uh, over twenty dollars so you can bring suit for any matter over $20. So we have a $20 suit there. Okay. <laughs> the Eighth Amendment is a prohibition of cruel and unusual punishment or excessive bail. The Ninth uh, is uh, to do with where our rights come from. They come from God. So mm-hmm. you see the, uh, the, the pie, the whole pie of rights coming from the sky through a padlock. <laughs> so that's kind of the philosophy of John Locke. Uh, mm. the natural rights. And uh, and then, of course, the Tenth Amendment is uh, the limited powers, so that is restraining the uh, the federal government, which is represented by mm. the uh, the large ape that's uh, bending those <laughs> those bars. Mm-hmm. So, so the rights that are come to us naturally are given from the citizen to the state. That you see, the if that was a little bigger, you could see that he's handing a slice of the pie to the mm. uh, waiter who is has a towel that says state, and then the states give a slice of that slice to the federal government. That's how 
powers are delivered to the federal government. Only uh, they start with the citizen, they move to the state, and then the state to the federal government. And somehow, I think mm, we kind of mm-hmm. got that backwards. So anyway, that's the Bill of Rights. <laughs> and so we would commit that huh. to memory and put a mm-hmm. gesture to each one of those uh, images and play little games. Where if I said, oh, okay. uh, if I said uh, right to bear arms, you'd make the gesture like Julie did. Uh, mm-hmm. and if I, if I uh, uh, did the sign language for ant, you'd know that I was talking about the Fourth Amendment. Mm. And then, so, so we use these uh, gestures and keywords and image maps to solve two big problems for, for homeschoolers and all teachers. And that mm. is lesson planning, because we have uh, designed the whole curriculum in this way. Uh, mm-hmm. So lesson planning and student engagement. Those are the two biggies that uh, make mm-hmm. teachers cry. <laughs> so uh, if, uh, right. if, if, yeah. if you can solve lesson planning and engagement, uh, you know, you, you've got to think. Yeah, and... Mackenzie also I, makes a, a point, and I, she must work with you guys, too, or is one of your parents, but she says the children are then encouraged to show off the skills that they learn to help solidify their knowledge and boost self-esteem, which a lot of our kids that struggle, that self-esteem part um, is so important to to include in, in the schooling um, aspect because right. I mean, we spend a whole we month on mental health, and it, it makes it... Well, thank you yeah, for once, sharing that. Once yes. the child really and gets it, then they teach someone else, but they don't give up the secret until they show off a little bit. <laughs> and that really does Yeah, Mackenzie's the daughter who doesn't like oh. to go on field trips anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yes, it's interesting how your kids, when they get older, you know, they, they start processing this homeschooling thing from a different perspective. <laughs> Well, she would love to, but yeah. all, all of my kids have said, man, if you could have just waited until we were like teenagers and then done it, we would have probably really appreciated it a lot more. And they're like, well, you know, work for yeah. the people. Yeah. <laughs> so, Peggy, exactly. I know that you've had uh, previous guests on that are all about gameplay. And I watched that yes. episode, and that was just fundamental to what we do because. You're not really you're tricking the kid into into, yes. into gaining information but you're doing it in a way mm-hmm. that they're continually engaged it's that one that one graphic that that dr steve just showed mm-hmm. there are so many games that we play with that we take one away say which one is missing we throw a a flash uh, graphic at them and they either do the gesture or they tell the the, the bill of right there's so mm-hmm. many. And then we have these pods that make everything um, big movement groups, like your big muscle groups. It is endless the amount of games that can be played with just the, mm. that circle graphic. Yeah. And I think what you guys are bringing out, and it's a really good point, is that oftentimes we dismiss what is fun, what is enjoyable, and what is engaging as not learning. <laughs> And that is truly the core to where we really learn, like Dr. Steve was talking about. Um, It's how we engage that smartness that's in all children. Um, And we we unfortunately dismiss it as, well, it's way too fun to be educational. (laughs) the, the The greatest teaching methodology of all time is play. 
Mm-hmm. Play is the finest, is, is the most powerful learning tool uh, yeah. in all of human history. Uh, if mm-hmm. we can figure out how to extend play into the learning environment, yes. we've got mm-hmm. the magic elixir. And that's really yep. what Iconics is about, is trying to uh, almost gamify. The, the kids learn the curricular data in order to play the game. Uh, and so mm. the, the the mastery of the curriculum becomes, you know, just a reason so that I get to play the game. <laughs> and, uh, and Right. That's, yes. That's you have to be equipped. Fun. It's like knowing the rules and, and right. yes, exactly. So, so it encourages them. I know my kids really didn't want to start reading until they realized in their games, they had to be able to read the comments from other people. <laughs> They're like, Oh, all of a sudden reading is really important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yes, just make it applicable to them, and um, yeah, it's it's so such good information because I I think we yes we as parents want we want to f- be able to harness that 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 seriousness within our home, and yet I think the more we do that, the more we make learning more difficult um, and less like it's supposed to be, and less like how we were meant to teach our kids in the first place. So I'm glad that you guys are all highlighting this. Um, yes, and we had another com- commenter on YouTube. Um, Mrs. McNitt said, play is the language to learn. Exactly. That's right. So, That's right. yes, it is so true. And, um, and I think we as parents fun. have to relearn how to play because we have we have had it driven out of us and it's it's hard it's hard to to realize that and to reprogram just like you know you were talking about dr steve you know we have to um we've been trained in such a way and we have to then get rid of that original training and replace it with um, you know we have a a little saying in iconics and it's uh uh uh, children play to learn and teachers learn to play Mm-hmm. That is very, very good. Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. So on that line and kind of on the line of my my original question in this area is how did each of you overcome maybe some hindrances of being able to play in your own life? I know I didn't give that to you ahead of time. So <laughs> if you want to skip it, that's fine. But um, is there anything that you found that be helpful that you could give as advice to our audience about how to become more playful as an adult? Okay, so I think that is a conscious choice that you have to make. Um, and, mm. and I think with just everything else, you know, you have, you're running a business, you know, you're homeschooling, you're doing the things you need to do. And if play is what you need to do to help your kids learn, then you make a conscious decision to do that. And then you figure out how you're going to do it. And there are some people mm-hmm. who are just serious and they never want to play and they'll have a harder time. Um, you know, I'm fortunate the school that we were running, um, which we also have a clinic here in Atlanta. Um, you know, that's, that's all we do with these kids is play. And it really does make a difference. And if you know that you're playing and you know that it's going to help them to learn, you just do it. You know, if we thought right. of being serious and drilling and, you know, drilling the math facts until you know, they were, you know, then, then you do that. 
That's how we taught our kids, but that's not how you're supposed to teach your kids when you're doing it. Um, so it's just a, it's a commitment you make, I think. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot more yeah. enjoyable to play than to, you know, exactly. grind yeah. away. Uh, and it works so much better. Uh, and mm. uh, if you if you represent data in humorous image form, everybody, uh, the the learning disabled child uh, of any sort, mm. they all learn better and have more fun doing it. And so it's yeah. it's the way to go. Uh, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've all had our our history of how we arrived at this, but uh, you know, I'm a developmental optometrist and. Uh, studying the development of uh, visual function, and I don't, I don't mean seeing, I mean mind seeing, uh, seeing with one's right. mind. Right, yeah. Uh, that brought me naturally into the field of education. And hmm. uh, and so that's, that's how we uh, ended up uh, in this sort of uh, one foot in, in each land. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. I'm an eye doctor, but my the application of my knowledge is really in the field of education more than, hmm. than optometry. And uh, so it's kind of a funny mix. Uh, but yeah. it really is how well can you see with your mind? I, I like to use the Sherlock Holmes analogy. Sherlock Holmes spots a little tiny signal from the environment, uh, a bit of clay hmm. on a guy's shoe or something. And up pops uh, this enormous amount of imagery that tells right. the whole tale of the case. And he, boom, mm. he solves it. And really, that's what education is about. Education is about hmm. expanding the imagery of meaning from hmm. tinier and tinier clues uh, from the environment. And when you think about reading, hmm. that's what it is. There are these right. little marks on a page. The real goal is the creation of imagery. Uh, yeah, exactly. Otherwise, and, and, the comprehension does not happen. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we have to we have to keep aware of what we're really doing here. We're trying to spark that most powerful aspect of human consciousness, which is imagery. And imagery mm -hmm. is the vehicle by which we travel through time and space. We think mm -hmm. our way into the past and into the future through imagery. So yeah. We yeah. need to so, Dr. Alicia, skill. and you had something to add to that? Yeah. Well, I think about like my education personally from you know a child, even through higher education, and the the teachers or the classes or the the content that was taught mm -hmm. in the most playful and fun way is the stuff that I personally remember. And, and I can't even really t say other than it was just fun and I the teacher made it enjoyable, that that's why I remember it so well. Um, hmm. And I mean, that plays directly into how the brain functions too. It's like if, it, if you have some sort of fun, playful connection to the material, it mm -hmm. embeds it further into your memory. So, yes. Yeah, one of our viewers just shared an experience like that. She said that we walked to the park the other day and started counting the ducks and adding them up as we found them. Oh, um, and right. her son, Dristan, he said to me, Mom, I haven't done math like that before. I told him, nope, you haven't. <laughs> That's, That's great. the way to do math. Yep. And what if those mm -hmm. ducks were in certain spatial arrays you would be able to, without counting them, like if they were, if they were set up like a, a five on a dice, you know, in that 
spatial mm, arrangement. Mm-hmm. You'd immediately recognize five as opposed to counting the ducks or the, the dots. So right. we can take advantage of that eidetic or photographic memory capacity for instant recognition. Uh, mm, that's why mm-hmm. uh, the little tagline of Iconics is learning at the speed of sight, meaning mm. I see it and I recognize the pattern. And the more we can right. take curricular yep. data exactly. and put it into that, that into a recognizable pattern, uh, the, the faster mm-hmm. kids mm-hmm. will learn and the more easily they'll learn. So that's right. That's really yeah. What yeah. We're, we're made to, to look for patterns and yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And God made everything in the world. So it has patterns. It's a, it fits in so nicely. Um, We did have a question from one of our our viewers just that um, about the Iconics um, resources, and she wanted to know if um, they were all Christian-based or um, are there any secular? Uh, They're they're Christian-based, but they are applicable to all learning situations. Uh, We we are uh, uh, we are uh, math is math, uh, we are a Christian organization. Uh, that is to say, the participants are uh, of faith, but uh, but these methods are usable for all people, uh, as mm-hmm. as you might expect. And uh, and yeah. So go well, ahead. Iconics, Iconics is both a diagnostic tool. We offer diagnostic tools, and it's a teaching method. And a teaching method is not necessarily, our teaching method is not necessarily secular or Christian, but the content that we create, because we also mm-hmm. create custom curriculum, that we've, the c- curriculum we've created thus far is uh, Christian-based. But it's it's malleable. Uh, that Completely is, uh, customizable. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Great. So oftentimes this time of year, especially, we have a lot of families who are on the fence. I think I might start homeschooling this year, or they're at that point where I don't know if we can continue another year because I don't think last year went so well. (laughs) So what advice would you have for parents who are trying to think of, you know, do I do this again? How do I change up things to make it more successful? Or how do I start on a more successful track than my child had maybe in the public school, but they really have nowhere to start from, or they're, they're kind of muddling around some ideas. What, what kind of advice do you have for them? Well, I, I, I like to, I hate to take up all the oxygen here, but, but, you know, I, I would encourage every parent to, uh, homeschool. Uh, that's my opinion. Mm. And we're here to support all homeschoolers and church schools or any collection of parents who want to group together and form a school. Uh, mm. It's it's absolutely doable. And we're, mm-hmm. we, we have all the tools to support these folks, uh, parents to take control of the education of their kids themselves. And they can do it. Yeah. Uh, any reasonable yes. adult can do it and do it well. In fact, mm-hmm. dare I say better, uh, because I believe that. Uh, and I've, I've created a number of schools, uh, charter schools, other schools, and they've been very successful. And lay people can learn to do this just fine. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, 
Dr. Alicia? And, yeah, so the success of each child is based majority on how much mom or parents know. And I think it's mm. super important to encourage and um, just just state state that, you know, you can do it and um, it's completely doable. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing wrong with your with your kid. You know, they you will find a way to make them succeed or help them succeed. Yeah. Mom really needs to know uh, when especially in kids that are in special ed. Uh, that have been labeled. Children mm-hmm. don't have, uh, you know, big problems with their brain, most of them. They they are learning in a different way. For example, Peggy, uh, our little example yes. there, seven so, plus six is a mm-hmm. little bit of a problem area, not because you're not intelligent, but because you did that one differently. We really need to make a mm-hmm. cognitive diagnosis. Then you know what exactly your target is. So when kids are struggling, Mm. we need to look at the underlying thinking. We need to make a diagnosis of the thinking. We need to become a diagnostician of thinking. Mom needs to know what is the Mm. child's thinking pattern that underpins their problem area. And if we don't know the answer to that, then we really don't know what we're doing. We're just trying stuff, hoping for the best. Mm. need a diagnosis. Right. And that's a lot of times why we tell people that they need to to get a a second set of eyes or a team around them to help because that those people can really speak a lot of truth into that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Lori, you had something to share? Well, I just think having done this once before and certainly at a time when there was not a lot of, there were not a lot of resources available, it can really be overwhelming. Right. it can be overwhelming. And I know the trend is for people to start homeschooling. And I I think that's great because, you know, we really believe that safe, loved learning is the way to go. And there is nobody that's going to keep a kid as safe as a parent is. And there's nobody who's going to, you know, it's just what we do as parents. They're going to be safe. They're going to be loved. And so then it's how do we teach them? Mm -hmm. And, And there are so many resources out there. You know, Iconics is out there. You guys are out there. Um, there are parent resource groups, um, churches that have small pods together. If you want to know something about homeschool, right. you can get on Google and start learning in a hurry and find just a ton of support. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, especially if you are in a um, special needs arena, you know, there are, there are so many people now who are out there who mm-hmm. can share experiences and tell you where to go and how to get started. Um, and so it's, it's, while it seems overwhelming, you know, I would encourage anybody who's about taking their kid out of a bad situation or doing something better for their family to go ahead and try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice because oftentimes we, we picture that it is way harder than it is in our mind. We can kind of get these ideas of it. It's it's just too daunting. There's too much stuff I have to think about. I'm not I'm not equipped for that. And we idolize those people that have been doing it for 10 years or more. And they've just learned to just live through the mistakes <laughs> I've learned because I always thought I'm going to know everything after five years of homeschooling. And I realized I just didn't know anything. Um, I just got good at knowing nothing and still going. <laughs> um, 
So, so yes, that encouragement that just to get started and to surround yourself with other people, that supportive community and, um, and to just keep learning there, there are so many resources and that's why we do these shows is because, um, not every situation is going to be the same. Then maybe a video that really speaks to one parent is not going to speak so much to another. Um, we just have to be equipped and, and ready to, to help our kids where they're at. So, so all awesome advice. Um, anything else on that um, topic that you guys want to share? You got anything, Julie? I was just going to say, it, just to round it out with play, mm-hmm. people make the dumbest games. And, it's because, <laughs> and, it, and it, we got to let a kid be bored and they will come up with games. Oh, yes, they will. I mean, uh-huh. Granted, if, a kid, if, if your own kid comes up to you and says, well, I'm bored, and you say, well, I got seven mm-hmm. things for you to do. Let me help you out with that. Or just let the kid be bored. Let them play outside. They will come up with games. I mean, we had hopscotches mm-hmm. as children. Um, you take a paper clip and try to put it in a, right. in a cup. That's not a real game. That's a, hey, I... I don't know what to do right now. And there's a cup and a paperclip right there. So let the kids, you know. Right. Exactly. You know how many, how many mind Mm -hmm. um, opportunities, or how many, not mind opportunities, how many skill sets you need to have in order to get a paperclip into a cup? I was just going to say some of of us nerds here would be like, that's great. What a dumb, silly game. You have to have dexterity. You have to have prediction. You have to know, have spatial awareness. All these things in a dumb Mm -hmm. game, it is outstanding and I love every part of it. And it emphasizes that you don't have to spend a lot of money. (laughs) Yes. Right. Right. Just Mm -hmm. just little little trinkets, you've got and laying a around, piece of string sure. and a ball, a tennis ball. I mean, there's <laughs> just so much that can be done if you're, if you're looking at targeted skills and, and seeing the, uh, understanding the hierarchies of, of brain development and what's next, what's mm. next, what's next. And here's a, here are a few games that help that child. And if you, if you target just at the right level, those kids love it. They engage. But right. if you fast yes. way up here or way down here, they disengage. Mm-hmm. So when, well, when that, kids right. are, that plays, that goes right along with um, the more mom knows, the the better outcome exactly kid has. Right. Is if even if mom just understands, like this is this is just the basics of how the brain operates, and just little mm-hmm. clues that kids give, and and they, I mean they tell us, hey, I'm not ready for this, um, you yeah. know, and they'll put up a wall and. You know, there's nothing exactly. you can do, but that's that's mm-hmm. a sign that, like, okay, I just have to take a step back in brain development, and then they mm-hmm. will eventually get there because that's just how we have been designed. Yes. my favorite disengagement yeah. is this is dumb. Yes, <laughs> if you've uh-huh. never heard that, be get ready, moms. If you've never heard this, well, this is dumb. Right. It's because it's it's either too low or way too high. They don't, mm-hmm. don't want to look dumb, so they're going to say, "Well, this is dumb," and then they have that disengagement, and that's where the be- sometimes behaviors show up. That right, you don't exactly. Want. But mm-hmm. if you hit that sweet spot of it's just a little bit of a challenge, but it's right there. Like they mm-hmm. can get a, they can get some right, but then there's that one like, "Oh man, I'll get that one right next time." That is that is the sweet spot, and I those aha moments are just I love them, and that's why I'm doing this. You know that uh, 
when, yeah. when kids disengage, we're making the mistake. You know, right. uh, kids are learning yes. machines. They love to play and learn. <laughs> and when we task mm-hmm. and they avoid, uh, we're making a mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to look at our own uh, tasking and figure out what, where are we mismatched? Are we too low? Are we too mm-hmm. high? We aren't in the proper sequence. So it's really diagnostic. And, and mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's kind of what we do with parent training is just teach mom to be the diagnostician of thinking so she knows what to do yeah. by general yeah. rule not every little thing but mm-hmm. by ob- observation she watches and wonders watches kids do what they do and mm-hmm. wonders why they're doing it mm-hmm. diagnosing the invisible part of the kid their mind that's right. really what we need to do yeah that's so good because yes we can we can either blame everything on us that it's not working because we just we're not using the curriculum right i know i I hear all these things from parents i've talked to over the years um or my child is just being stubborn they're not doing anything and and you know you guys really hit the nail on the head it it's we're not challenging at the right level and because a child is wired to learn they yep. want they that's why they ask so many questions that's why they want to know about so much stuff and, and to the point that they drive us crazy with their questions um, when they get on a topic that they really love and um and yes so learning is natural we just have to to not make it unnatural <laughs> in we, our desire to that. push our kids ahead yes you know, we've kind of done that in our educational system. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it is natural for kids to move and, and play and be yes. free in the in the space. And mm-hmm. we confine kids to seats and, and mm-hmm. have them not move and just listen to, uh, you know, like the uh, Charlie Brown teacher. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and uh, Bueller. Right, Bueller. exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just not right. It's not the no. way to learn. And yeah. uh, kids will not flourish that way. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we, have a, we have a little boy that we're working with in our clinic. He's seven and he's um, struggling to read. And uh, one of, he gets a note sent home almost every day that like, hey, uh, you know, your son is just not engaging. We can't get him to do this and that. And let guess what subjects it's in? reading, writing, and math. And he doesn't disrupt. He just gets out of his seat, walks over to the play blocks, and is just playing with toys. He's not disrupting, really. Mm. But but most people wouldn't look at that and say, oh, it's because he's disengaging because he he's just not ready for that right. type of material. And so... Right. Know, he might as well yeah. be telling the mm-hmm. teachers, hey, I am uh, at this level of development I'm going to walk over here and show you by playing with these blocks. Right, it's like a neon sign, him saying, hey, pay attention to what I'm telling you. You're harming me. You're, you know, and and they continue to push symbols Mm. at this kid when he hasn't. How's the kid going to figure out how to uh, deal with the symbols that represent physical items when he hasn't figured out how to? deal with the physicality of the world. That's really what's going right. on. With he, he can't even separate his fingers in his yeah. brain. Yeah, let you alone. ask him to do this and <laughs> this happens. It's a lack of understanding right. of development. Oh, that's, 
And every mom can learn these lessons quite easily and be way more astute as to her own child than what's going on in the public schools. And, uh, and that's the truth of it. And uh, I, I think parents should take education in their own hands. We're here to help. Uh, and it's, it's, it's something that can be done by every parent. Uh, it, it can mm-hmm. be daunting, mm-hmm. uh, but group together and learn this stuff. It's not that, it's not that tough. It's barely, yep. when you hear about it, when you learn about it, it's almost common sense, really. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know. That is. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, it, but it takes a mind shift. I mean, like we were it talking does. about at the very beginning, it takes that shift from understanding that education is not what we've been told it is in an institutionalized type of setting. Education is more to that customized, that one on one, that engagement and to to. Um, yeah, and so so much more. Um, Creative Minds Homeschooling talked about how they learned about the human body last year. And she said her daughter loved it, but her son hated it and said he wouldn't learn a thing. But then later he came back to her and was talking about, does your heart really do that? <laughs> so we have no idea even what they're, they're catching. Because a lot of times we teach sibling groups, you know, of different ages, and we just teach. Um, but, but the kids... They they do catch things that multi, <laughs> we, multi we sometimes age think groups, not. multi age groups mm-hmm. is, is natural. I mean, yep. think yes. about it. Uh, for an eight year old, a ten year old is a god. <laughs> you know, they yep. look they, at ten year olds like they're on a pedestal. So if <laughs> the older kids are the the little kids learn from the older kids, and mm-hmm. especially if you can group them. It's great for the older kids, too, because they learn to be empathetic to the little guy. And so it's yeah. really a good thing to multi-age. Uh, mm. You know, this business of uh, homogeneous age groups is not natural. It's not. It really yeah. doesn't work. We should be teaching mm-hmm. in multi-age uh, groups. Yes. And in, in the schools so many that, that I've created, we always multi-aged, especially mm. because... You know, oftentimes girls develop neurologically more quickly than do the boys. And therefore, mm-hmm. it's, it's not uncommon to see a, 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 a kid that would be in the third grade boy be neurologically about the same maturational level as a first grade girl. That's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. So yes. you really need uh, yeah, to those be, averages and all of that are just so right outdated and, and yes. the kids will tell mm-hmm. you they'll tell you just like uh, uh alicia was saying that the child that went to the blocks the kids will tell you by the selection of their playmates if you've got a seven-year-old who likes to play with five-year-olds that's a clue <laughs> uh-huh <Yeah>. yes <laughs> yes yeah it's that watching and wondering and yeah, i think if you take anything away from from this time that we've had together i just really would encourage you you know to find that that inner teaching style, that inner teacher to step back, watch your child. And that's, you know, we talk about that so much on our show um, to, you know, I always say I made 
Thomas, Timothy, and Maggie my number one subjects of study because they were my kids. I had to know how they ticked, what rent, you know, would motivate them. And, and so this group has really given you um, the context of how to do that. And so I'm super excited um, that they've been sharing with you. So guys, we got just um, less than five minutes, actually four. I would love for you to, to talk a little bit about Iconics. I'm going to put your, um, your website up and what can, what can people find on your website when they go there? Oh, I'm sorry, did I pop out for a second there? Yeah, my internet's not been good today. Sorry. Um, so if people go to your website, what are they going to find there? Who wants to handle that? I, I guess I could. Uh, well, they'll find uh, a description of the support that Iconics can give families or groups okay. of families. Uh, and we certainly encourage uh, family. We believe that every church in the land ought to have a K-12 school. That's what we believe. And we know how to do that, uh, how to support them. We, uh, we will project our uh, case management, if you will, uh, into the classroom. We support the teacher and the parent and classrooms uh, entirely uh, with a completely uh, uh, laid out curriculum that is uh, organized in these image maps uh, that can be then funneled through a whole series of playful games that allow uh, kids to engage. Uh, it helps parents and, and teachers to dispense with the terrible task of lesson planning. So it really is designed to handle three things. The, the cognitive diagnosis uh, and lesson planning done and engagement in the classroom. So those are the big things in, that make for a, a successful educational program besides the natural, uh, Lori mentioned safe love, our, our kind of tagline is safe love dot 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 learning. The dots represent the science <laughs> of learning, but you don't even get to do the science and the learning if you don't get the first two right, the safe and loved. Right. So yeah. safe and loved, of mm -hmm. course, is what homes and churches it's from the provide. family mm -hmm. yeah frankly that's not what's happening in the public sector the public no. schools no, are our kids are not in fear and yes right? mm -hmm. and so yep. it's no wonder that the the learning doesn't happen it can't happen under those conditions mm -hmm. you right. have to yep. get the first two right the kids have to be safe and loved then the science of learning comes in and that's iconic mm. We are great. Uh, experts yep. in brain development and instruction, and we're yeah. here to help Alisa, every parent. Go ahead. Awesome. Yes. Alisa, you had something to add to that? Yeah. So a lot of what we've touched on in our little stories here and there, you'll mm -hmm. find in detail, um, especially if you're into the science and or wanting like to the research part of it. The website is a great resource, um, but... Overall, it just we it shows how we've combined neuroscience, brain development, and education to create, um, you know, this custom teaching method, and mm -hmm. all of our offerings that Dr. Steve touched on, and then uh, how to contact us, which is uh, the best way is through email, and there's right. there should be a little orange bubble, almost on every page that you can click and get in contact okay. with us. Awesome. 
And if you're listening to the broadcast and you can't see the screen, it's Iconics, I-C-O-N-I-X, learningcenter.com. So you can um, can click our, or I'll have it in the YouTube description after the show is over. So you can just click on it there too. But um, yeah, well, thank you all so much. This was a fast hour to talk. And you all had so much good information to share. I'm just excited that you're on. And we've got your group coming back a couple more times um, on the schedule. I have yet to put it up on the public schedule yet. We have to get finalized um, which, who's going to be there and get some some headshots. So, um, but but yeah, so you haven't heard the, the end of this group yet. Um, I know they have a lot of great information to share. So that'll be coming up in the next couple months. Um, but, but thank you all for um, being here. I appreciate you taking your time out of your busy schedules. Thank well, thanks you. for having us. Thank you for yeah. having us, Peggy. What a great platform. I love I love everything. <laughs> awesome. Well, it was great having you all. And thank you to our viewers who are popping on with us. Um, and you can definitely share this video on Facebook and YouTube um, if you found that it was beneficial to you. And the podcast will come out on Sunday. And um, we're not sure about the, the shorter videos. My video editor has is off the grid now for two weeks at a time. So, so the shorter videos are now going to be a little lagged behind the, the broadcast. But just know that they are coming. Um, we're just working out that schedule. So, so anyways, next week we're going to be talking about finding your inner teacher when your teaching method um, does not match your students. Um, so your or your learning style doesn't match your students. And so, and kind of a lot about um, taking what we were talking about with the play and non-play to a whole new level um, of trying to even understand how your student learns um, versus how you learn. So we're going to be talking about that next week. So you'll want to join us then. Um, and so we'll see you all. And that's again next Tuesday. We'll be back on our regular schedule. So um, we'll, we'll plan on just seeing you then. So thanks, everybody. Thank you all um, from Iconics for joining me. And we'll see you all um, next Tuesday right here at um, 12 o'clock, 1230 Central. Bye, everybody. <laughs>